Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. So now, let's head back to God acceptance at hand. And um, there's going to be two exercises today. Um, one is tied to what we did. I left you with like a little homework, right? So those of you who were here, you know, I ask you to choose one thing to accept about yourself or in your life, and then practice daily to kindly release what stands in the way. Often that has to do with forgiveness, or you use praise to help you with that practice, and then take note how you change. Okay? So those of you who were able to do that, awesome. If you weren't able to do that, you just make something up for the exercise. Okay? <laughs> And you can choose either the same pairing from last week, or if you prefer, just do a different pairing. So I'll just get you, we'll do this right now. So I'll get you to pair up real quick. Don't be shy. This one is an easy one, so you don't have to worry too much. So, are we all paired up? Okay, good. So, decide who is A and who is B. Who is going to be A and who is going to be B? Okay. And the Bs are going to start today. <laughs> all right. So, what I want you to do. Those of you who have done the exercise over the week, you may or may not choose to share what that is. It may be too personal, I understand. But you're welcome, of course, to kind of like reflect on that homework for the week. Remember, we were focusing on human acceptance. So our humanness, our humanness going into acceptance. If you weren't here or you haven't done the exercise, choose anything like last week. Um, and share what you chose to accept about yourself over the week or about something about your life. If you haven't done the, the homework, just think of something that you have an easy time to accept about yourself. Does that make sense? Okay. So I don't want you to do exactly what we did last week. I don't want you to struggle with the acceptance. Find something that you can accept about yourself. Okay. Make sense? One minute. B start and Ace listen.
10 seconds. Let's switch. Okay, now the A's share for one minute what you chose to accept about yourself if you did the exercise or what you choose to accept about yourself if you haven't done the exercise. Something that you have an easy time to accept about yourself. So you just switch and the other person is now sharing. One minute. Ten seconds. All right. So now, for one minute, both of you talk with each other and see if you found any similarities in your sharing and what you noted about the other persons and your own sharing. Thirty seconds. Ten seconds. So now, still in the same pairing, I want you to look at each other and affirm, I am that I am, and I accept you exactly as you are. You just... Excellent. And now... We're going to say this together. I say it first. I am that I am, and I accept me exactly as I am. Together, I am that I am, and I accept me exactly as I am. All right. 
So you might have noticed from last week, I added I am that I am. Who remembers what that is about in Unity? What, what does I am that I am mean? Any Unity student? Huh? Say louder, Terry. Yeah, so that is what God told Moses is his name, right? And the I am that I am connects the human with the spiritual, okay? We believe in unity because we believe in oneness. We believe that that is um, God telling us, you're not separate. You're not different. We're all together. We're all coming together as one, right? So to affirm I am that I am now moves us from the human into the spiritual by learning to accept the God self within us. It's not the same thing as being God itself, the infinite potential. As human beings, we are always limited, but we have access to that infinite pool of possibility at all times. And to learn to affirm that, especially as we learn to accept ourselves, that's really what it is about. So now, we are ready to go into part two, God acceptance. <clears throat> and I want to start with a um, story out of the Hindu scriptures, because Hinduism um, and unity, theologically speaking, are actually very close. They follow theologically much, or much closer than unity is to Christianity, theologically speaking. We interpret Christianity through a more Eastern philosophy, through a Buddhist, Hindu understanding of what God is. Because the traditional Christian theology is that God is separate from us, that humans and God cannot be the same. But when we go more East, then we see that the theology changes slightly. And here is um, a famous picture of Krishna, who is the, the blue dude on the right, right? It's always blue. Krishna is always this royal blue. And then Arjuna is in the chariot. He's the archer, okay? They're both considered gods in the sense of Krishna actually being similar to Christ, a representative incarnation of God itself, of Brahman, whereas Arjuna is more like a saint, okay? When in Hinduism, there's all these different gods, but we often misunderstand Hinduism as polytheism, believe in multiple gods, but that's not true. Hinduism also believes in the one God called Brahman, and it's just more in the relationship as we see it in unity, having that oneness relationship, no separation. And the story of Arjuna and Krishna is really helpful to actually learn about God acceptance. So let's talk a little bit about this story. The Mahabharata is, is where this story is coming from. It's the longest epic poem known. To, it's the longest, it has well over, I think, 100,000 or maybe 200,000 uh, verses. <laughs> it's enormous. And it's one of the two major, what's called Smriti texts, 
the Ramayana, the Ramayana is um, the other one. Smriti means that which is remembered. So it's simply a chronicle of what has been remembered of handed down stories. And they've been collected and compiled over an 800-year period, 400, roughly 400 before Common Era and 400 at, uh, Common Era, meaning that um, it's quite a, quite a bit older than the Bible, um, at least the um, New Testament. What the Mahabharata is about is about the Kurukshetra war between the Kauravas and the Pandavas. And when we, who, who has heard of the Bhagavad Gita? Probably most people, right? The Bhagavad Gita comes actually out of the Mahabharata. It's, Bhagavad Gita is 18 chapters, and those 18 chapters come from chapters 23 to chapter 40 out of the sixth book of the Mahabharata. And it's right in the middle. It's in the middle because that's where the climax is. In Western storytelling, usually you build up the story, you build it up, you build it up, you build it up until the climax, right? And when you think of a movie, what happens after the climax? Pew! That's when the movie ends, right? Not so in Hindu scripture. In Hindu storytelling, the climax is in the middle. So the Mahabharata builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up to the, to the war. That's where the Bhagavad Gita comes in. That's where the conversation happens between Arjuna and Krishna. And then, but we're only in the middle of the book. And then the whole climax happens, the war happens and everything. And then it takes another long time to finish off the story. So it's a very interesting difference between how we um, tell stories in the Western world and how those ancient stories are told in the Eastern world. What we need to understand, so Arjuna is a Pandava. He is, that's his family, and he is about to go to war with the Kauravas. The problem here is that the Kauravas and the Pandavas are also related with each other. That's part of the struggle and that Arjuna has because he's basically refusing at some point during the Bhagavad Gita in those 18 chapters, what Arjuna is refusing to go to war because he is understanding that he will go to war with his brothers and sisters, his uncles and aunts, with cousins, with people that he loves. And then Krishna tells him, and this is where it's more mythological than it is um, historical, that part of his human duty is to go to war, because the war is representative of all bad things that are happening in our lives. So the struggle and duty to serve God and to serve the self is the core of what this story is about. What it also does, which is really why I wanted to introduce this story to you again, because I've done this before, it talks about Atman and Brahman. Atman, you may, have, you may remember, is from the Buddhist, uh, the story that we did, Siddhartha. Siddhartha was all about finding Atman. Atman is the individual spiritual self that's being realized. That's the journey we're all on together, is when we are looking up and try to grow spiritually, we're actually developing Atman. Brahman is God. Brahman is the whole thing. Atman is our individuality. 
And so again, in this story, it's less about two families going to war with each other, but more about a symbolism of how we sometimes need to go to war with ourselves in order to turn toward God. Okay? Sometimes the things we do in our lives is not very ideal, isn't it? Who hasn't done stuff that wasn't very spiritual? Anyone? Yeah, so, and, and that's really what this story is about. And here are just a couple of verses that are very important when it comes to understanding how our human acceptance ties into acceptance of God. Here is Krishna telling Arjuna, be steadfast in yoga. Yoga is Sanskrit for union or unity. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> um, so be steadfast in this union, O Arjuna. Perform your duty and abandon all attachments to success or failure. Such evenness of mind is called yoga. If you study the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali's work, if you study any of the Eastern philosophies, then the principle of yoga, the yogic principles, are very clearly about non-attachment, not being attached to any outcome, whether it's good or bad. We're removing ourselves as we develop Atman, our spiritual individuality. We're removing ourselves from judgment. We are becoming completely immersed in full acceptance. This is what I've been trying to, to show you last week a little bit as we started with the human acceptance. By learning to accept more and more of who and what we are, even those dark places that we don't like to go to, right? Anyone has any of those dark places, right? I certainly do. You can call them shadow. You know, there's shadow work, right? You can call them, those are our misgivings. Sometimes we have severe judgments around them. We actually sometimes develop even feelings of hate toward those parts. But we must learn to be in acceptance of all our parts for being in acceptance of God as a whole. Every time we do not accept even the tiniest little part of who and what we are, we're refusing to accept that in God. Let me say this again. Every time we're not willing to accept something within ourselves, as horrible as it may be, we're refusing to accept that part in God. And if you see, depends on how you relate to God, you can also say it a little bit differently. If I cannot accept this part of myself, how can God accept me for that? Right? That would be a little bit more traditional interpretation of how we relate with God. Okay? So be steadfast in yoga. Be steadfast in unity. Be steadfast in understanding that Atman and Brahman are one. Our spiritual self and God are one. They can never be separation. And that's where our salvation lies. Another verse is um, really 
important here. If you become conscious of me, that's again Krishna talking to Arjuna, but Krishna talking less about him being like this special dude. He's actually talking about himself as being the God reflection. When Arjuna looks at him, he sees his God self looking back at him. Remember I mentioned a few weeks ago that when we do these exercises, that you should imagine that God is actually looking back at you. It's not just a human being, but it's God expressing itself back to you. So if you become conscious of me, you will pass over all the obstacles of conditional life by my grace. You can even think of it in Christian terms. You can think of it as if Jesus Christ would say those words, couldn't you? If, however, you do not work in such consciousness, but act through false ego, not hearing me, not hearing the Krishna self, not hearing the Christ self, you will be lost. Now let's turn to Christianity. Here's a scene where Jesus on the right is being attacked by the Jewish elite, um, the priests, the Levites, the, you know, the, the highly regarded rabbis and all that, and they always try to trick Jesus, right? There's so many stories in the Christian scriptures where the Jews go and ha ask all these questions, and they're trying to trick uh, Jesus into um, you know, blasphemy or something that will be regarded as uh, something worthy of a crime, right? Which he ended up being accused for. Well, I love that we had the song today as if it was planned, right, Larissa? Larissa and I, we, we have like, you know, it's like, it always works out. This is one of the most confusing for most people, but in unity it makes absolute sense. Jesus is responding to the Jews here. And he is basically saying something that a lot of people struggle with. I and the Father are one. This is the same thing as Krishna telling Arjuna to seek yoga. This is yoga. I and the Father are one. Now you can change the Father to Mother. You can change Father to Mother, Father. Whatever God is, whatever word you use to connect with God, here is Jesus simply saying, I and the Father are one. He didn't say that because he was the only one. That's what we believe. When we metaphysically interpret scripture, it's very clear that Jesus was not about himself, but he was about his consciousness. He tried to raise that same level of consciousness in his disciples and in anyone he taught. But he gave an example. I and the Father are one. And when we are ready to affirm that for ourselves, whether we use Father, Mother, Mother, Father, God, whatever it is, then we're getting closer to spiritualize and let that Atman, our individuality, grow. Another thing that's often confused is this one. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these 
because I am going to the Father. Who here has grown up with the belief that we will never be worthy to be like Jesus? Most of us, right? Doesn't this tell you something else? Isn't this coming from Jesus according to the gospel himself saying, hey, I can do all these wonderful things, but there will be people that can, will do even greater things. Don't you think that from his perspective, if those words were truly spoken, that there can only be one way how Jesus actually viewed himself in connection with everyone else. He didn't think of himself as special. And he understood that everyone he accepted in his life, he accepted in his journey, on his journey, that they will do the greater works. He believed that as long as everyone learns what he learned, that we all can do greater things. We need to stop putting him on a pedestal and start trusting ourselves that we can do that too. And finally, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That's from Romans, uh, Paul's work, chapter 15, verse 7. In order to bring praise to God, we must accept. In order to praise God, we must learn to accept. Ties again back into that our human acceptance is directly tied into our God acceptance. So what's the difference then? Going back to this slide from last week, that self-acceptance is somewhere between self-loathing and self-love. Anyone has experience with self-loathing? Right? We don't have to be taught that, right? We're kind of like growing up having uh, quite a harsh way of looking at ourselves. I certainly did for the longest time and still I, until I started you know, becoming more accepting of me as a human being. So it matters then how we relate to ourselves and others. That's the human acceptance. But it also matters how we relate to God. That is God acceptance. And it matters how we apply our relationship between the human and divine. So some of us may feel more comfortable relating to God in a more traditional way, and there's absolutely, nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some of us may address God outside of ourselves and may ask God to do good things to us and for us, right? Is that wrong? Absolutely not. But it matters how we relate to God because when we address God outside of ourselves and we do not have that clarity or that conviction, that faith that God and I are one, it's much harder to ask God to accept us, isn't it? But if we come from a perspective that we have some form of faith, conviction that God and us is one. There cannot be a separation. Guess what? Every time we learn to accept a piece of ourselves, we accept that piece in God also. Does that make sense?
When we think in terms of separation, then our practices, our human practices often feel, and they don't have to, but they can feel separate. It's like, whatever I do, God does something different, or God doesn't really care for me. I hear this so often. Why is God doing this to me? He doesn't care for me. I heard this over and over again. But when we understand that there cannot be a difference in the separation between God and us, then whatever we do for ourselves, we do for God. Whenever we say, yes, I struggle with this about myself, but I'm learning to accept, we're accepting that very peace in God also. You're all so quiet. Does that make sense or, right? I really want you to feel that, that, that opportunity. And again, I'm not trying to make you wrong if you don't relate to God in the oneness perspective. It's a process. Many of us start out in unity and have a very traditional relationship with God. And quite frankly, sometimes it, even if you're, 100% a Buddhist or a Hindu or a oneness person, even then in sometimes very difficult situations, you may still relate to God more traditionally. Why? What do you think? It feels easier, right? Because we're, most of us grew up with parents, so we have this idea of a mother and a father taking care of us so it's very natural for us to think of God in those terms. And if we are removing that, and sometimes that's the journey in oneness, that falls away and that can be very difficult, can it? So we can do both. And it's okay to do both. There's nothing wrong with feeling comfort in relating with God, while at the same time trying out something new. But the most important thing to understand is that God acceptance depends on our acceptance. Wherever we fail to accept someone in life, we fail to accept God in life. And I think I'll leave it at this. There was another exercise, but we're going to just skip it and go right into meditation. How about that? So allow yourself to come to this moment of peace. And maybe if you can, also a moment of acceptance, whatever that may be for you.
I usually recommend to close your eyes or lower your gaze, whatever feels comfortable. It just helps to cut off some of the senses, to help us turn within. And then use your breath to slow yourself down, to relax, to find peace in the very thing you are. Remember God's name is also your name. I am that I am. And whether God sometimes feels separate from you or not, or you completely embrace the existence and the comfort of God in every moment in perfect oneness, allow whatever the experience is to be yours without judgment. Many of us, if not all of us, have dark corners in our lives. Places we haven't shined a light. And maybe today is an opportunity for you to find one of those dark places and turn on your light, your Christ light, your Krishna light, your Buddha light, your divine light just fill that dark corner with light without judgment without trying to change anything without getting rid of it just allow the light to be there so just breathe into that moment this moment of complete calm and ease Allow yourself to be present and cared for. Remember the exercise you did today and sharing your acceptance and receiving the acceptance from your partner. Remember the affirmation we told ourselves, I am that I am and I accept me exactly for what I am. I am that I am, and accept me exactly for who and what I am. So allow your light to just take a chance as you search within your mind and within your heart whether there's places that still need your acceptance. And remember that God acceptance is always at hand. In the idea of yoga, idea of union, we always, always, always can turn toward acceptance. So let us celebrate those moments where our human acceptance aligns with God acceptance.
So as we're coming closer to today's end of the meditation, let's open our hearts to each other and quietly give thanks to our partners for today and last week, allowing the gratitude to flow and grow in perfect acceptance of all there is. Remember, I am that I am, and I accept myself exactly as I am, and so it is, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.